The good news is that you don't need to sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover in one massive chunk. All you need to do is read it one bit at a time. G'day everyone, my name is Mark Schroeder and welcome to Schroeder's Bible Bits. I'm a college chaplain and my job is to teach children and youth the wonderful truths that are found in God's Word, the Bible. I speak at chapels, at youth services, at church services, I teach at kids clubs and lunchtime Bible groups. Uh, At all of these places, I always teach from the Bible because I'm convinced that from the Bible, we get to learn about God and how He has loved us and how He has saved us through Jesus. Tune in and continue to learn about Jesus for yourself, not in one chunk, but bit by bit. Uh, G'day Senior School, Uh, welcome to another little chapel video moment here. Um, We're on our way through the book of 1 Samuel and we've been following this journey of who is leading God's people and we've seen uh, Samuel come onto the scene, Uh, we found about King Saul and he was a king for a time and now we've been focusing in on uh, King David and last time we spoke about how David was able to trust in the strength of God as David, this little young guy, went up against Goliath, that great big biblical giant who you've probably heard about before. Uh, Well, today we're going to follow on in uh, just one little chapter out of a big section of 1 Samuel, which hopefully you've read um, in your house tutor over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24. Um, And to sort of get us thinking a little bit about this as as a way in, I suppose, I've got three jokes for you. Um, I don't know if you'll find them funny and I can't tell if you're laughing or not. So um, maybe I'll insert some laughing noise here. Um, Yeah, so anyway, here are are the jokes. You ready? Joke number one. Uh, Why did the toilet paper roll down the hill? To get to the bottom. Uh, And this second one. um, Why was Eeyore down the toilet? Um, well, he was looking for poo. Get it? Poo, P-O-O-H, like poo bear. <laughs> uh, toilet humour. Uh, and joke number three, um, why didn't the toilet roll make it across the road? Wait for it. It got stuck in the crack. <laughs> yeah, anyway, lame toilet humour jokes. Um, you might wonder, why are we talking about this, Rev? But we're talking about this because in this chapter of 1 Samuel, we come to this strange section where the scene actually takes place sort of in a bathroom, uh, in a bathroom moment at least. Um, and as we come to this section, I want you to keep in mind something. I want you to keep in mind that David has been anointed uh, by Samuel as the next king of Israel. And ever since he's done that, King Saul, he's not very happy about it. In fact, there's many times after that first moment where David is chosen and and oil is poured in his head and he's set apart as the king, um, where where Saul actually tries to kill David. Uh, There's one time when, when David's sitting there and I think he's playing his harp Um, for King Saul and Saul just all of a sudden just snaps and he picks up a spear and he pegs a spear across the room and and because he wants to kill David because he doesn't want David to be king. King Saul wants to be king but God has chosen David as the new king for his people and ever since then David has been on the run. David has been on the run, running away from Saul because Saul tries to kill him. And in fact, if Saul found out that David was camped out somewhere, then David would get a stack of his troops and he would journey there, hoping to be able to find them and and to kill David, get rid of him from the picture. 
Now you've got to keep that in mind as we come to talk about um, this next section um, from 1 Samuel. So this section is from 1 Samuel chapter 24, uh, and, and I hope that you've read it. And I just want to highlight a couple of things from 1, Cham- uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24 uh, that hopefully you've noticed and maybe draw out a main point for us, all right? So, so the first thing to notice is that Saul is hunting David, and Saul is out with a whole bunch of his troops. The Bible says that Saul is out with 3,000 young men from Israel, and he set out to look for David in amongst the caves and the, what it says, the, the crags of the wild goats. So he's in amongst all these all these co- these caves, which are known as the crags of the wild goats. Weird name, right? Anyway, he's out there and he's looking for David. Meanwhile, David is there with his men and he is hiding with his men because he knows that Saul is looking for him. In fact, the Bible says that he is hiding with 600 of his troops. And it turns out that King David is hiding in one of these caves um, around the place where Saul, the king, is looking for David so he can kill him. Anyway, it turns out that after a little bit of time, um, Saul, he needs a break. He needs a bathroom break. He needs to go for a wee little walk. And he needs to go into a cave so that he can relieve himself, the Bible says. This is really interesting. I, like, what? There's not many stories in the Bible where go, the Bible goes into this sort of detail that somebody goes into a cave to go for a wee wee break. And here we've got the king who takes a royal bathroom break. And it's in this moment that something impressive or actually really important, something important actually happens. You see, David is hiding in the very cave where King Saul decides that he needs to go for a break. And Saul comes into this cave. He comes vulnerable, completely exposed and 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 by himself. He's gone to the toilet. No one's there to hold his hand while he does his business. And David is in there with 600 troops. This is a massive moment. In fact, you should be able to feel the tense moment as you read this part of the Bible, that that there's an army of 3,000 outside of the cave. They're armed and dangerous. And meanwhile, David and his men, they're huddled into the depths of the cave, in the darkness of the cave, hidden and nervous because there's 3,000 outside waiting to kill them. But actually between them, between each of these armies, here's King Saul in this little part of the cave, and he's doing a wee. This is a tense moment. What's going to happen? Well, while this scene is unfolding, the troops say to David, they're like, David, now's the chance, right? Strike him now while he's not looking. Get him now while he's not paying attention uh, and kill him. I mean, and if you kill him, then you'll be able to take the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. It's yours for the taking. So get him now. The tables have turned. You have been the one that's been hunted, but now you get to be the hunter. You get to take Saul's life instead of him taking yours. So what David does is he goes into ultra stealth ninja mode. And and David creeps up behind Saul while Saul's doing his business. And while he creeps up, he pulls his knife out. And we're expecting that he's going to kill the king, to stab him. But instead, he reaches out, he gets the corner of his robe and he cuts off just the corner of the king's robe. The king doesn't notice. He finishes his business and he walks out of the cave very much alive. 
Now, this is strange, right? Why didn't David take the king's life? Why didn't he kill King Saul? Because then the kingdom would have been his. But the thing is, right, that David knew that this kingdom, the kingdom of God, the Israelites, was not actually David's to simply just reach out and to take. This is not something that he could take in his own power and his own will. The kingdom of God is something that needs to be given by God in God's own timing, by God's own power and his own determination. God's kingdom is to be gifted from God to David. David shouldn't just take it for himself. And so the story continues. Saul finishes his wee and he walks out of the cave. David's back with his troops and he's got the corner of the robe in his hand. Uh, And he follows King Saul out of the cave and he stands at a distance, sort of at the entrance of the cave, and he he yells out in a loud voice to the king. And and the Bible tells us in verse 8, he yells out and he says, My Lord... The king, he says, my lord, the king. And you can imagine him standing there and and holding this bit of material up in his hand. My lord, the king. And he bows down in front of the king. And he produces the evidence, the fact that Saul nearly died. That Saul has had a near-death experience as he just took a royal bathroom break. And as he does this, he proves a couple of things. Number one, David proves that he has shown great mercy to Saul that he didn't kill him when he could have. He's also shown King Saul that that David has shown that he is innocent, that he is faithful, that he is kind to Saul. He's not out to get him, and so Saul can just calm down. He doesn't need to hunt David anymore. But more importantly, David demonstrates here his dependence on God. It's not about David and his strength. It's not about David relying on some other king or some other superpower. David simply relies on God. He depends on God to solve this issue. And that's what he does in verse 12. When he goes out and he says, O king, O king, here I am, he says. Well, in response to this, Saul is actually overcome with great emotion, the Bible says. And he weeps. He cries there in front of his troops, in front of 3,000 troops, right? 3,000 fighting men. King Saul is standing there weeping, big, tall Saul, overcome with emotion, bawling his eyes out and he cries. And in that moment, he acknowledges David's righteousness and his mercy. He acknowledges the fact that David has done the right thing and he's been very generous to Saul by not killing him. But more importantly, right here in this moment, Saul acknowledges in front of 3,000 troops that David is the king who God wants. David is the one who needs to sit on the throne, not Saul. Saul is no longer the king and Saul has finally come to realize that. Saul has realized that God has established his kingdom with David, the king who trusts God, the king who shows godly patience, the king who has shown restraint, a king who is simply trusted in God and who is trusted in God's own timing to build his kingdom. I wonder, does this remind you of anyone? Does this remind you of a king who has been patient and who is trusted in God and in God's own timing? Well, it should remind us of Jesus, shouldn't it? Jesus, who has trusted in God for us so that we can be part of God's forever kingdom. Jesus, who committed no sin, who didn't do the wrong thing, who only did the right thing, who didn't rise up against evil man, 
Jesus who even suffered at the hand of evil and he suffered and he entrusted himself to God. The Bible says something about this in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Easy verse to remember. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. It says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore our sins in the body of the cross, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You see, Jesus trusted God for you. Jesus trusted God for the whole world. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that he would lay down his life for us. Jesus came and he entrusted himself to God the Father and he went to the cross for us and he bore our sins for us. Jesus, the righteous king, the merciful king. Jesus, your king. Jesus, your king, whom you should live for, who you should live a life through. The reality is, right, though, that living a life through Christ, living a life for Jesus is going to be hard. But I hope that as you remember this moment, as you remember, sure, the moment of David where he has entrusted himself to God and waited for God to establish his kingdom through him, as you've been reminded about Jesus who entrusted himself to God to establish his kingdom for you so that you would live in his kingdom, I hope that you remember that Jesus has endured much for you so that you would be found in God's forever kingdom. So when things are hard, when you're stressed out, when you're worried, or maybe even if you're tempted to put Jesus aside, to go, I don't want anything to do with Jesus because it's all too difficult. It's all too tricky. Actually, if I follow Jesus, I know that I just get bagged out on. Well, when you feel like that, remember Jesus who has endured much for you. Jesus who has endured the cross for you. Jesus who has brought God's eternal kingdom for you. Remember him but actually choose to follow him. Choose to live a life through Christ. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope that as we finish off this part of the Bible, finish off uh, 1 Samuel, that you be encouraged to live for Jesus, your King. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can get in contact with me via Twitter at MRK Schroeder or on the Anchor app, you can actually leave a voice message. I'd love you to do that and I might include it in the next podcast. Catch you later.